Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Well, guys, look with me at Psalm 40. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. The King James says, I waited for the Lord on high. I waited and he heard my cry. And it says, he brought me up out of the pit of destruction or the pit of despair. Anyone ever felt like you were in despair in life? You had a season where you just despaired of things were bad. You're, you're feeling like giving up. Despair is when you feel like throwing in the towel. You're just like, that's it. I, I've had enough. I can't do it anymore. I love the Psalms because David seems to have such a gifting from God to put into words how we feel sometimes. Sometimes we feel like just quitting. Just it's been a hard day, a hard week, maybe a hard year. And you just say, man, that's it. I just feel like throwing in the towel. And it says, David said, and he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to God. And he said, many will see and they will fear and they will turn to serve the Lord. And they will trust, it says, in the Lord. When they see God lift you up out of a bad circumstance and put you in that place where he makes your foot to be steady. You know, whenever we ask him for help, does he help us? Sure. He's always there waiting for us to cry out. Now, David says, how blessed is the man, verse 4, who has made the Lord his trust and has not turned to the proud, nor to those who lapse into falsehood. He says, many, O Lord my God, are the wonders which you have done. And your thoughts towards us, well, there is none to compare with you. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. How great is God's thoughts towards us? How, how much do you think the Lord thinks about us? How much does he care about us? Now, some people don't realize this, but, but David says, we have a God that constantly cares for us. He looks after us. He sees us. He sees when we're struggling. He's our heavenly father. David says to God, he is so wondrous in all of his works. Now, David goes on and says in verse six, sacrifice and meal offerings. He says, you have not desired. My ears, he says, you have opened. Literally, the Hebrew is you have dug. Like when you dig open a, the opening to a pit, or a cave, when you, you have to dig it out to get into the hole. He says, my ears, God has dug out, I guess the earwax. He cleaned it out so I could hear him. He says, you opened my ears. David understood this. He says, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have not required. And then I said, behold, I come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. Now, this is interesting because David says when his ear was open, he could hear God declaring that, behold, I come. God saying, I'm coming. I'm, I'm coming, David. And this verse, by the way, some people don't know that in, when they read in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, they're reading along and it says, and it is written of me in the, in the whole of the scroll or in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. And they think it's something just made up from the New Testament. It's not, it's a quote from this psalm. The whole book of Hebrews tells us who was the one who came to do God's will? Jesus. 
And Jesus, in John chapter 5, verse 39, he said to the Pharisees, he says, you guys, you search this book, you think it's this book that gives you everlasting life. He says, this book just points you to me. But he said to them, you were unwilling to come to me. Now, Psalm 40, verse 7, is the same as Hebrews 10, verse 7. The whole of the scroll is written of me, and I delight to do your will, O God. Your law was, is within my heart. Now, when the author of Hebrews writes and quotes this verse, he says, you know who this verse is about? Not about David. Not about David delighting with his whole heart to do God's will. It's not David that he's speaking of. David is prophesying of the coming Messiah, that Jesus would be the one that would delight to do God's will. And he would do the whole thing. And he would, all of the book that was talking about would be pointing us to Jesus. So, so when you read these things, these stories, they all have something to do with pointing us to the Messiah. The, the promises of the Messiah were all poured out in the scripture. Now, David just before this said, sacrifice and meal offerings, verse six, you have not desired. And my ears you have opened, but burnt offering and sin offerings you have not required. Why would he say that? You know, we don't need these sacrifices for sins. Well, who was going to come to do his will? In the next verse, it's explained because there's one coming who would be the ultimate sacrifice, come to do God's will. He become the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. But it's interesting to me, God doesn't delight in offerings for sin. He doesn't really want us to sacrifice for our sins. In fact, if you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 15, I'm going to show you something. It's the story about how David will come to be the next king of Israel. They're going to have a guy named Saul, who's the king, who's in office. And Samuel's the prophet. And God has sent Saul to, as the leader of Israel to deal with the enemies of Israel. There were some pretty wicked guys around Israel that were always picking on them. And God told Saul, these Amalekites, he said, go and completely destroy the king of the Amalekites. This is 1 Samuel chapter 15. In verse 2, he says, thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he has did to Israel, how he set himself against him on, on the way while he was coming out from Egypt. Now go strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has and do not spare him, but Put to death both man and woman, child and infant, ox, sheep, camel, donkey, everything. And so Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Teliam. And, and he says there was 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the valley. King Amalek, he was the one that when the Israelites came out of bondage to Egypt, he actually... You know, they said, can we just pass through here and we won't, we won't take any of your stuff. We just want to pass through and get to the other side. And he's like, no. Like he started to attack the Israelites as, and they were, they were slaves come out of Egypt and he picked on them. He took advantage of their down situation. Now, does God like it when we pick on somebody when they're down? If you pick on someone when they're down, you better watch out. I was just reading the Proverbs today and in Proverbs, it says that the Lord is always the champion for the 
person, the widow or the orphan or the person who is down, don't pick on them because God will be their champion. And here, God told Saul, that guy Amalek, he did much harm to the people of Israel. I want you, now that you're the king, I want you to go take care of him. Get your army and go utterly destroy that guy for what he did. And you think, well, okay. He gets sent on a mission, right? Does he obey the Lord and go destroy all that Amalek has, and all the people, and all, like he was told? All except if you read a little further in verse 12, you'll find out that Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul. Saul had gone out to the battle. He's come back. And it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel. And behold, he set up a monument for himself. And then he turned and proceeded to go down to Gilgal. Now, Carmel is the mount where Elijah, the prophet, would take on the false prophets of Baal, or Baal, we say in English. But Saul went and set up a, a monument to himself up there after this battle that he had just fought against the Amalekites and won. And so then Samuel came to Saul in verse 13, and he said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. And he says, I have carried out the command of the Lord. But Samuel said, uh, What then is this, this bleeding of the sheep in my ears? And what is that lowing sound, the, the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, they spared some of the best sheep and the best oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But the rest we have utterly destroyed. And then Samuel said to Saul, wait, and let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak. And Samuel said, is it not true, though you were little in your own eyes, you were made the head of the tribes of Israel and the Lord anointed you? as king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are exterminated. And why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? But you rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 20 says, then Saul said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord and I went on the mission on which the Lord sent me and I brought back Agag, the king of the Amalek, and I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Now, wait a minute. First, it was the oxen and the sheep that Samuel said he heard. And now, who would they spare also? The king. They brought the king back. And then Saul says, and the people took some of the spoil and the sheep and the oxen and the choicest things devoted to destruction to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Now, one thing I want to point out here is all of a sudden, this man, Saul, who used to talk about the Lord like he was the Lord, our God, Samuel, you and me, we both have the same God. Now, because he's disobeyed the Lord, it's the Lord, your God, Samuel, your God. You're the prophet. He's your God. And all of a sudden, Saul doesn't have that personal connection because Saul has done something wrong. He's disobeyed. And God's going to point this out through Samuel. He's going to say to him, the prophet's going to say, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as he does in obeying the voice of the Lord? Which is better? Behold, he says, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of, of divination or witchcraft and insubordination is as as 
iniquity and idolatry because you rejected the word of the Lord. Samuel says, he has also rejected you from being king. And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I, I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord and your, and your words because I feared the people and listened to their voice. And now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I might worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned to go, but Saul seized the edge of his robe, and it tore. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to your neighbor, who is better than you. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. And then he said, I have sinned, but please honor me now before the elders and the people, before Israel, and go back with me that I might worship the Lord your God, and the Lord our God. So Samuel went back and followed Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring me Agag, the king of, Amal uh, of the Amalekites. And Agag came cheerfully, because it says Agag said, Well, surely the bitterness of death has passed. They haven't killed me yet, so I'm probably going to make it through this. And and Samuel said to him, as your sword has made women, women childless, so your mother will be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag to pieces before the Lord at Gilgal. And then Samuel went up to Ramah, but Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. So Samuel, it says, well, Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, for Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. When I read this, I think, God regretted making this man king? You know, when the guy was serving God, he did a good job. But what happened here? It says, because I feared the people, and I listened to their voice. See, the people said, oh, this is some really good sheep. These are really good oxen. This is some really choice stuff. We shouldn't destroy it all here. We should, well, we could give it as a sacrifice to God. Did God want a sacrifice? No. God wanted them to obey him. And Samuel has to tell Saul, which is better, to obey or to sacrifice? Does God really want sacrifice? Interestingly, it says that when Samuel turned to leave, I'm not going with you, Saul. Saul grabbed his robe, right? And, and what happened to, the, to Samuel's robe? It tore. And the prophet turned to the king and said, look, you know, you tore my robe but God's going to tear the kingdom away from you. And God's going to give it to a better one than you. And do you know who gets the kingdom next? Who, who's the next king of Israel? If you read the next chapter, it says, then Samuel was told of the Lord to take an oil, a, a flask of oil and to go to the house of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, and, and go there and God would show him which one of the sons of Jesse would be the next king of Israel. And he's going to go there in chapter 16 and they're going to bring the oldest son of Jesse first. And Samuel's going to look at him and go, nope, not him. They'll get the second oldest. Nope, not him. You're going to run through all of the boys. And Samuel will still be standing there going, do you got any more kids? They go, well, there's one more. But he's, he's a little shepherd boy. He's out in the field watching the sheep. Samuel says, I'll stay. I'll wait. And they couldn't even get him to sit down. He wouldn't take a seat. He says, I'll stay standing until he gets here. Well, you got this prominent prophet standing in your living room. What do you do? 
Get the boy out of the field. Hurry, get him. And they went and got David. David that fights Goliath. The David that will be the next king of Israel. The David who writes in Psalms 40 that God does not delight in sacrifices. God delights in obedience. God would rather that we obey than that we have to sacrifice. And that's something that we just need a reminder sometimes. That God's not wanting us to make a sacrifice. Jesus came to do God's whole will. And he was the sacrifice. Remember when John the Baptist saw Jesus in public, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He cried out to everyone, Everybody, look, there's the guy that's going to be the, the one who takes away our sins. That's the Lamb of God. And they pointed to Jesus. So did God need sacrifice for sin? No, no he already had one lined up. What God wanted from these guys was simple. Just obey what I tell you to do. Saul did not obey the Lord in this one area. He listened to the voice of the people. He was more concerned about what they thought than what God had told him to do. Now, if you think about this, David, did David know maybe this story? Do you think David ever heard how Samuel and Saul, the whole thing about how Saul disobeyed God. and how, how would you like to come into being the next king? And you're like, how come you get the job? Well, God's kind of mad with the former guy. Really, what happened? Do you, do you think the word got back to David, this little shepherd boy, of why God retired the former king? We're going to see that Saul... His disobedience will make him go mad in the head. He'll, he will start to hear evil spirits. And they're, they're going to say, you know, the king is, man, he's got evil spirits tormenting him. We need to do something. We need to get a guy to play some praise music. Find somebody who's skilled, who has the spirit of God with them, and have him come play some psalms and hymns, because that'll drive away the evil spirit. And... Who do they find to come in and play the harp and sing? David. David is the one who is called in to sit there and play the songs. When Saul gets all agitated, David would come to, well, he's going to be sitting in the room with Saul. And sometimes Saul will get so mad, he'll grab a spear and huck it at David. How'd you like to be playing music for the king to calm him down? And while you're playing, he's throwing spears at you. This is what it says happened to poor David. He had the king throwing spears at him while he's sitting there singing in praise songs to calm him down. I think, wow, that would be harsh. Do you think David would come to find out why Saul had the kingdom taken away from him? Sure. He sat in the very room with his predecessor. He was right there with Saul until the day when the Lord would take Saul out of the way and David would be raised up as king. Now, there's more to this psalm. There's, well, let me just read you the last few verses, if I could, of Psalm 40, and you'll see how they fit into the story now that you know how David came to learn these things. He says in verse 9, I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips. O Lord, you know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness nor your truth from the great congregation. This is all part of what the Messiah would do. He would, he would make known 
the mercy, the loving kindness, and the truth of our God to the great congregation, in other words, to everyone. And he says, you, O Lord, will not withhold your compassion from me. Your loving kindness, your truth will continually preserve me. For evils beyond number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to see. They're more numerous than the hairs of my head and my heart has failed me. He says, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. Make haste, O Lord, to help me. Let those be ashamed and humiliated who seek my life to destroy it. Let those be turned back and dishonored who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, David says, let them be ashamed. He says, and, and be appalled of their shame. He says, and let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. Since I am afflicted and needy, let the Lord be mindful of me. You are my help. You are my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. He's cried, he started off with, I waited for the Lord on high. I waited and he heard my cry. And then he ends with, you are my help. You're my deliverer. Oh Lord, don't delay. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Yeah.
battle Because against my God you are no 